Hello and welcome to Blank. My name is Erfan Ali. I'm really excited today because I have a very, very special guest on my show today. In fact, this is my very first interview. And uh, if I make any mistakes, please bear with me. But I'm sure I'm going to be great. <laughs> so uh, I have a really special guest here today. Uh, I've known him for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I want to give you a quick overview of, uh, of who he is, just to give you uh, a background. And uh, you'll, you'll understand where I'm coming from and how excited I am today. So uh, his name is Ash Ali. He's an award-winning serial tech entrepreneur and angel investor. Ash sold his first internet business at the age of just 19 as the first marketing director of Just Eat UK. It IPO'd for a whopping 1.5 billion. I think at that time, that probably was the highest. I don't know. He will confirm it for me today. Uh, he was included in the top 250 growth hackers as well as top 100 Asian tech stars in the United Kingdom. He has over 20 years hands-on experience creating and growing startups. Uh, he has consulted, he's advised, invested in hundreds of startups at various funding stages. So I'm very excited to welcome Ash Ali to Blank. Hi, Ash. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on my show. Uh, so you're my very first guest. Oh, wow. That's great. Hope I am, uh, set the standard very high. So it's a privilege, actually. It's a privilege. So I'm uh, very excited to talk to you today. Um, and the topic is going to be entrepreneurship. And I know it's a very hot topic right now. Um, it was a hot topic in the past as well, but now it's become really prominent because you got a lot of guys on the internet and a lot of successful companies and startup companies are kind of are popping up again and achieving great things. So a lot of people know about startups. So I think you're going to give some really good insights and uh, hopefully a good background into entrepreneurship and what happened in your past experiences. Um, and you've done some amazing things. So um, really happy to have you here to share them. So let's start off and let just give us a little bit of a snippet background of like your kind of background in entrepreneurship. I gave you, I gave a bio, but I mean, from your perspective, could yeah. you add anything to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I remember I'm, uh, um, I come from a typical Asian family and, uh, you know, from an Asian family, you have this kind of criteria. There's only four things you can be when you grow old. It's either doctor, yeah. lawyer, engineer, or a failure. And that's what I was apparently. <laughs> Yeah. at the time but fast track around now i'm a success obviously with the technology and everything that's happening in my life so far so um you know you have this uh, early childhood where your parents want you to be a certain thing and i was kind of like i dropped out of college twice and i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life and i realized i had this kind of entrepreneurial gene in me at 13 i did a newspaper round at 16 i sold cds at 19 i started the shoe web uh, shoe website um with a friend of mine and developed an uh, e-commerce site back in 1997. Mm. And that's how it all started, really. Um, I basically had to choose myself and go down my own route right. and uh, think about what I wanted to do and what I enjoyed. And the internet was just coming out at, the, at that time, 56K modem days, and uh, timing was perfect for me. Yeah, so, so you're like the real deal. You're like, you've, you're like a self-made entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that concept of saying self-made is not really true because I've mm -hmm. had great mentors and people around me. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm a self-starter rather than self-made. Right, right. Okay, okay, cool. So, I mean, how did you, you know when you, like, you've come up with some great ideas and you, 
both in companies as well as an entrepreneur let's put it that way but also as an entrepreneur as well so like what is the right idea and how did you know what the right idea was i think most people um, uh, when they want to start a company they always want to start a company because it's based on themselves mm. so i don't like my boss i don't like 9 to 5 i want to have freedom and those are all the wrong reasons for starting a company or a business i always say that you should start to think about problems so you have to be curious and have pro- uh, see problems so when you're working in a company you might see a problem that's happening in a company that could be automated that's a problem worth solving that you can probably sell and create a product for mm. um most of the pro- problems that people encounter usually start what i call from your own itch so you have an itch and you scratch mm. it and go there must be a better way to deal with this itch then you think okay i should have a solution for it and when you think of the solution for it you think okay this is cool but the next question should that should then be is do other people have the same itch Mm. because then you think about having a scalable problem so is it someone mm. are other people having the same problem and so you always start off with a problem some people have an itch but it's just their own itch and nobody else has got the same problem so it's not yeah. really an idea worth pursuing because it's only your issue it's not mm. somebody else's mm. issue and uh, other people's issues so really the, the the way to know if an idea is right is not there's no right way to know that i think it's all about understanding your problems first and trying to solve something solving a problem and then in a business context seeing if people are willing to pay for it right right so it's not it's not just about the money right uh, no not always because the money is the uh, the value that you get from solving that problem right and it helps you build and scale that problem and build a team around it to actually scale it right but the money is very important because most businesses fail because yeah. of cash flow yeah and without cash flow you can't build Right, right. So if you're building an idea and you're throwing at people and they don't buy, mm. then that's not really a business. Yeah. That's a hobby. So you talked about scaling businesses. So how do you how do you actually grow a business then? Yeah, I think this is a really tough question. I think the first thing to do is before you start thinking about growing a company or growing a business is we call this thing in the startup world called product market fit. So you got to have a good product market fit. You got to be solving customers real problems and you got to have a real understanding of who your customers are. So, I remember I'm um, uh, starting Fair Exchange which is this online um, uh, platform that we developed for taxis and minicab firms. When we started off with a problem, uh, the initial problem insight was minicab companies wanted to have more bookings. So, we developed an online booking system to develop more web bookings for them. And when we approached the customer and said to him, "We're going to get you more web bookings." They're like, "Yeah, that's nice, but we don't want web bookings. We want phone we want phone orders." Right. So, okay. So the insight came that actually that client requ- required more phone leads than they required web leads because they were right. easy to handle because that's what they're used to. Yeah. And so in simple terms our marketing message turned to we'll make your phone ring mm. rather than we'll give you more bookings. Right. And so that really kind of uh, allowed us to see that there's an this is an idea that uh, is getting traction. Yeah. But the the way to know that you're really going to grow is that you're servicing a client yeah. and the one of the fastest way to grow a company is to have word of mouth marketing. um you right. don't don't have to pay for advertising and marketing mm. so mm. then you know you're onto something about like in terms of word of mouth i mean in terms of how the growth rate of that yeah. is it something that's pretty slow at the beginning obviously and then picks up yeah absolutely speed? so yeah. the initial uh, most of your clients will come from word of mouth marketing you're solving yeah. a problem that's the best form of channel of marketing that would work well mm. but then you have companies which are uh what we call relying on fake ways of growing a company 
Mm. It's not organic and it's uh, grow, grow fast or go home kind of mentality. So they'll put fuel on the fire and they'll start getting customers for hundred pounds a pop and they're not making a penny on those customers, mm. losing money on every customer. Yeah. And I come from the mindset of you should try and build a business based on good business fundamentals yeah. rather than yeah. just high growth and hope to make money in five years time, 10 years time. So there's a mix of business models. So you know when you're growing fast, when you've got a product that people are using on an ongoing basis. But the mm. way to know that you've really got growth is you've got to have what I call, in your business, you've got to have like a metric that you define. Mm-hmm. And that metrics metric should be like a North Star metric, like your one main metric mm-hmm. that you think is going to help you define if your company's growing. So it might be revenue, it might be users, number of users per month. It might be number of new clients, it might be the word of mouth. So you've got to have something to define your company to show that you're growing right right okay that's that's interesting you also kind of mentioned like i mean we want to talk about like mistakes you've made as well yeah. um obviously as an entrepreneur um mistakes are part of the package it's part of the toolkit um to be honest with you um and i'm sure you've made a few in your life and i'm sure you've you know resolved those as well um i think just for our audience if you can tell us a few mistakes you've made some actual ones that you made that you could have possibly avoided and like what kind of lessons did you learn from from that and from those experiences yeah so i I think a lot of the um uh, i think making mistakes is part and parcel of starting companies and starting doing doing entrepreneurship if you fear making mistakes you're never going to get anywhere and i think i've been lucky enough to be able to make mistakes because from a childhood perspective i've had a lot of unconditional love from my parents and that's really helped me. So if I make a mistake, it's uh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You get, you'll get be fine. Whereas a lot of people are growing up with, you make a mistake, that's it, it's game over. And a schooling system is like this as well. That's it, you're a failure. Uh, you're dumb. You're not clever. You can't do this. Whereas in entrepreneurship, you have the ability to start again. So making mistakes is the way to become successful. But there is a way to make a mistake as well. Too many people talk about making mistakes and they don't talk about the real failure point of it. So I'll give you an example. You might want to start a company and you're going to remortgage your house and um, you're going to go all in and you've, you've only done two months on the company and you think this is going to be it. That's a mistake, a big mistake you shouldn't make. But if it was if you were the per- if it was a different person and they had um, 18 months of capital, they had a, um, a uh, they were, the family was already secure financially in, in their own way in terms of their uh, family. Then you can start this company because you've got 18 months runway. You've got capital to fall on. So one of the things I learned, which is quite interesting, was that I did some uh, indoor rock climbing one day. And the first thing they ever taught you when you do indoor rock climbing is because I want to scale. I was like, I want to go up. I want to scale that thing. And I'm scared of heights. And I'm like, oh, I want to do this thing. I'm scared at the same time. But I want to try. But the first thing they told us what to do was to learn how to fall. So we climbed up two prongs and then fell backwards mm. then we did three then we did four yeah. then we did five and it's all about learning how to fall backwards because if you yeah. fall from a height that's too high you can break your neck yeah and kill yourself you can break an arm leg and that's game over you can't climb anymore yeah. so i think what we need to do as society is teach people how to fail properly and have that cushion yeah. so before you make a mistake have the cushion so the kind of mistakes i've made that the number one mistake i've always kept and i've really been conscious of is hiring people who are like me <laughs> Uh, in what context i mean i i'm an extrovert and i like right. to go out personality wise personality wise i'm an extrovert right. so you tend to like people who are like you yeah. but when you're building a team or building a company you need to yeah. find the opposites of you mm. you need to find people who are going to fill those gaps or that, have a good 
kind of balance. Balance. Yeah, but when I'm talking about a leadership team, I'm talking about like the first founding team. Right. Right. right? I've made mm-hmm. mistakes in fi- uh, finding fi- founders, working with founders who who are like me. Mm-hmm. And we just did the same thing, and it's like I, I did mine at a different level. He he or she did it at a different level. It didn't yeah. work. What I needed was the opposite of what I was that good at. Mm-hmm. And so being self-aware and having that awareness of who to hire um, that were opposite of me was one of my biggest learnings. Okay. Um, and I made mistakes there, and I continue to make mistakes there actually, but I try and right. improve. Right. Okay. All right. Great. Um, so you talked about the idea of leadership and leadership team, and uh, I think being an entrepreneur is obviously critical when it comes to leadership. And it's, I think, a lot of it is based around the idea of being a leader, leading yourself, and your idea and your vision, obviously. Um, so, so what actually makes a good leader uh, in terms of on, as an entrepreneur, and how do you build a team as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think there's two. They say there's two key roles for a CEO of, of a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number one is to keep enough cash in the business so you can carry on doing what you're doing. And number two is to get the right people in the right seats so right. they can get the job done. Right. And it's difficult to do both. Um, but finding the right people and putting them in the right seats is is a big challenge for many people. And that's why being self-aware of who you are and what the company needs is very important. So leadership starts from, I think, from a fundamental perspective of being humble. You know, I love, I've always been humble. I've never had this kind of mindset of I know everything. And I want to hire people who are smarter than me, who can get mm-hmm. jobs done. I've hired yeah. MBAs and PhDs to do stuff with me, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to college. Yeah. So you want to hire people who are better than you in what they're doing and yeah. then letting them go. Yeah. Unleashing them rather than holding them back and micromanaging them. So as a leader, these are challenging things to do. Um, but at the same time, it's important because the leadership skill is not getting people to work. The leadership skill is actually letting people buy into your vision and the vision of what you're trying mm-hmm. to achieve mm-hmm. and making that vision bigger than just we're creating a product and selling it. It's actually going down to the root cause of why you're doing anything. Right. And that's very important as a leader. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that because... There's this quote by Steve Jobs. He said, he said that, like, why would you hire really smart people and then tell them what to do? Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. which is right about though, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you hire the smartest people and you say you have to do it like this. Like, no, you let them do. You know, you give them that freedom to kind of. Obviously, they have a framework to work in, but yeah. you give them that kind of space to create and to produce things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that also the thing is that you, you need to understand. Uh, some people are very competitive and some people are very collaborative and teamwork is very important you win as a team yeah you know you win as a team you don't win independently and one of the other things i've learned is that i might find a genius at something who's shit hot at something but his attitude sucks or her attitude sucks i'm like and i'm thinking to myself that's not going to be cohesive for my team so i have to get i decide actually that's not going to be the right person for the company even though on paper on uh, what we're trying to do, uh, achieve, it makes sense. But the harmony in the team is lost. So mm. you try and find harmony in the team as much as you can. Otherwise, it makes it difficult to achieve the overall goals that you're trying to uh, create. And also, as a leader, you need to have clear goals, clear goals, clear... Uh, Google uses OKRs um, and you can use KPIs. We use OKRs in my companies. Mm. Um, so it's clear goals uh, that allow, align everyone to the same thing because everyone's doing something that makes an impact on something. Mm-hmm. And also the why, why you're doing what you're doing. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. 
agree with you. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of success, you've had a lot of success in your past.、Um, a lot of things that weren't as successful as you thought they would be, but a lot of things were very successful. Can you talk about a few of those things and like what do you attribute your success to? I think a lot of it, success comes down to what you mean by success and what it is first. You have to define what success is, what is a、mm. label for success.、Mm. And for me, success is where I was yesterday and where I was a few years ago. So I'm always competing for my personal trainer.、Um, says to me, Ash, it's all about your personal, be- your personal best, not about what the, everyone else is saying. It's about your personal best.、Mm. So if you ran you know, 15 seconds for the 100 meter sprint and now you've done 12, that's brilliant. You did your personal best, but it's still way off the. You know,、mm-hmm. the professionals, but、mm-hmm. that doesn't matter because they're professionals and it's different. So, your personal best is very important. So,、uh, you know, like、um, success is what you define it first of all. You need to define what success is. So, for some people, it's time freedom. Some people, it's spending time with family. Some people, it's having money in the cars and、uh, the material goods. So, defining success is important first and labeling what it is for you. And it changes. When I was younger, success was different. And as, as I'm getting older now, my, my version of what success is. Is becoming、um, more formulated into,、um, I suppose, less material things and more、uh, inner type of contentment side of things. And we're,、mm. we're peace, we're going more towards peace and how, the, how that's created. Yeah.、Um, and I think that's But, the first thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean generally, that success, it, it's, I mean, it means different things to different people. But at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's, Has to be a clear definition of success. But when it comes to being an entrepreneur and be, being a startup founder and creating new ideas and new products and new services,、um, can you give us an example of like one thing that was really successful or something that attributes your success to in achieving something in, in that journey that you had? Yeah, I think so. The other part, part, point of success is that you need to know who you are yourself.、Mm. Yeah, you need to have good self awareness and For me, I, as I started to understand who I was, I became better at understanding what I needed and what I was good at. And that、mm. self awareness helped me become more successful. So I talk about this in my book、uh, called The Unfair Advantage. And what I defined it as, labeled it as, I had an unfair advantage into whatever I did. And that's what gave, gave me the success opportunity. I started Fair Exchange off the back of the fact that I knew about Just Eat. Because when I was at Just Eat, I learned that a lot of people were making phone calls for ordering takeaways. Mm. Then I thought, who else is ordering,、uh, making phone calls? <laughs> Minicab companies and taxi people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have insights. So your, your success comes from having experiences and understanding who you are as a person first. And I find that in entrepreneurship, it's not, peop- most companies fail, most businesses fail, not because you can't build a product, it's because you can't get sales and traction. Mm-hmm. So, my success has happened because I've focused a lot on the sales and marketing side of the business、yeah. rather than just building side of the business.、Yeah. And so, there's lots of little intricate things in、mm. my companies that have helped me grow. And in the other areas where I've failed and gone,、oh, shit, that hasn't worked.、Mm-hmm. Right? And so, it's, for me, success has always been rooted back down to in entrepreneurship, in startups, is about having a route to market and distribution opportunity.、Yeah. And it ultimately comes down to sales and marketing. Sure, sure.、Uh, just going back to like your first step into the shoes of a marketing director at Just Eat, what was that initial experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, really interesting actually. I was really um, uh, uh, privileged to be able to be the first marketing director of Just Eat in the UK.、Um, it was a very small startup,、um, not much happening、uh, in terms of growth, but 
it was growing slowly and um, my job was to come in and do the marketing for building the brand building the consumer side of the business and getting more people to order takeaway online but also building the uh, restaurant side of the business because we're a marketplace and a platform yeah. we've got restaurants and consumers had to do yeah. both sides of the business mm-hmm. being early in the third senior uh, marketing director and uh, first marketing director and third senior person in the company was really in- in- insightful I started off with a very tiny budget and everything that we did was kind of like sweat equity basically we did a lot of things ourselves SEO PPC we yeah. were trying to learn things ourselves we had people to work with us had a very small budget um, and it was really really tough I was working God sends hours um we had a really. Everyone told me that no one's going to order takeaway on, on online. Everyone was yeah. telling me this. They were saying the same thing. Yeah, I remember when Justy the idea came out. There was another competitor as well that yeah. came out as well. Yeah. The Tantings Hungry House or something yeah. like yeah. that. And what the the idea was like preposterous. It's like what the hell? Nobody's going to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. well, look, <laughs> people were ordering. We were doing Justy at the time when people were ordering just uh, takeaways on their laptop and the desktop. Yeah, it was a desktop <laughs> laptop. Yeah. It was only 2007 when the iPhone came out. Right. And then when the iPhone came out, it was still not App Store. Mm-hmm. And we were late to the App Store in terms of food delivery. Mm-hmm. Right. So it accelerated because there was new behaviors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the acceleration was. But in the early days, we were still growing really fast. We provided convenience uh, service. We provided all the value, values that um, uh, people wanted to order takeaway online. And we found a certain segment. And, you know, I had uh, I called a customer once. It was a really good customer. And he said to me, oh, Ash, your website's really shit. I was like, oh. <laughs> but then you're ordering every week from our website, mm. your takeaway. So obviously we're solving a problem here. Mm. Although the website's shit, you're, we're still we're solving a problem that you're still okay to come and use it. Sometimes when something's so bad and there's friction and people are still using it, yeah, you might be onto something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. And now we know Justy's like just a giant, a huge giant. I mean, like it's become like a verb, like Google or whatever. <laughs> like just eat it, right? I've heard that expression like, uh, we're going to have tonight. Oh, we'll just, just eat it. <laughs> yeah. So, and you can see all the signs and um, I mean, that's kind of like as a ramification of where you kind of started that initial yeah. marketing, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, within the shops and yeah. specifically you yeah. see that and all the marketing yeah. stuff yeah, around you it. You know, when I first started, um, uh, just eat, I was really focused. I was an online marketing guy. So I'm a digital yeah. guy, online marketing guy, and I focus a lot on performance marketing and digital marketing and ROI driven stuff. One of the biggest learnings I had at just eat was that, when we raised 10.5 million pounds from Index Ventures, we had uh, some money set aside for marketing and above the line marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we did a TV campaign and I was dead against the TV campaign. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I learned with uh, building a business and building a start- uh, technology company and a startup was that you have to f- also focus on building a brand mm. and brand awareness is really important. And that yeah. only happens when you've got deep pockets and you're doing a lot of above the line marketing, you know, billboards yeah. and TV and radio and all that type of stuff, as well as the online stuff. So that was a kind of interesting learning and then integrating that marketing together. And that mm. was quite an interesting journey. But when we did a TV campaign for Just Eat, we really blew up. Mm-hmm. We really blew up. And then from there, the marketing team yeah. took on and did yeah. some amazing things afterwards. Yeah, and, and the, the, I've seen some ad, ads recently as well, and they're, they're pretty like high quality, really cool. Yeah, well, now there's money in the business, yeah. and there's a great marketing team there, and uh, they've done a great job uh, of pushing the company, and they've innovated a lot more now. The app's looking yeah. great, and there's a lot of competition out there. We've got Deliveroo, and we've got Uber Eats, and lots yeah. of players out in the marketplace. But one thing that really stands strong for Just yeah. Eat is the fact that we built a great brand. Yeah, yeah, agree with you. Yeah, fantastic. So you mentioned your book, um, which is called The Unfair Advantage. Um, so did you write this book yourself or 
Yeah, is there so, another author with you? Yeah, so I initially um, came up with the idea uh, about three, about five years ago. Yeah, and then I went on around the world speaking about Don Fair Advantage, uh, speaking about my journey and speaking about how we started things and how we failed and improved and so on. And then I labeled something called the uh, this new concept called the unfair advantage. I was like, you need to have an unfair advantage when you're trying to do something. Mm. And it's not an unethical word. It's a, it's a positive word. It's a positive spin on working from your strengths and your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And um, I found a co-author called Hassan Kuba, who I met at our mastermind dinner. And he was a great, he's a great writer. He's also an entrepreneur as well. He totally understood what I was talking about. And we kind of uh, sat down together and started working through things. And he's a great guy to help me um, create clarity in my thoughts. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a doer. I like to do things and then learn from it and go back. Mm-hmm. And I'm, all, I'm a, I'm a, uh, what I say, I'm an autodidact. I learn myself. Mm-hmm. I'm a self-learner. And so for that, I have a different style of doing things mm-hmm. where some people want to study something deeply and do something. And he comes from the background of really going, studying something deeply as well. So that kind of theory and that depth of study and research to prove what I'm talking about, rather than just anecdotal stuff, helped a lot. And then meeting uh, Hassan Kuba and then working together on the book. I had a couple mm-hmm. of, a few other people help me as well. Todd yeah. Bryson back, back in America, I did some copywriting yeah. work and ghostwriting work with me in the early days. But right. the concept then formulated over time. Yeah. So you had this this idea of the miles framework yeah. in that. Could you just give us like a kind of overview? What What is a miles framework? Yeah, so I think people make miles of excuses for not succeeding. Um, and it's just a, a pun thing really. But uh, we were talking about so many different factors in what the unfair advantage was. And there's so many variables to it. Mm. And we came up with this miles framework. And the miles framework uh, is an acronym for uh, M standing for money. Um, I standing for intelligence and insight. Um, L um, for location and luck, E for education expertise, and S for status. And so what we said was that you're going to have an unfair advantage any one of these kind of uh, key uh, columns that we call in the miles framework. And underneath this is sitting what we call the mindset. So having the right mindset to understand your miles uh, formula. So you got money, intelligence, uh, insight, location, luck, education, expertise, and status. Awesome. Awesome. So you can find out more about the Mars framework and the key principles of the unfair advantages. And I'm sure you give loads of examples and yeah, uh, ideas in the book itself. Um, so uh, you can go to the website, theunfairadvantage.co.uk. Uh, you can pre-order it right now. When is it releasing? Uh, where is it releasing? Okay, well, so yeah, so the, the, the journey of getting a book published was a quite interesting one as well, actually. We had mm-hmm. three major publishers trying to... Um, uh, uh, get a copy, uh, publish the book for us, and we eventually went with the uh, profile books, which we really loved. Um, they've been great with us, and uh, the book is going to be available in all book, great book, uh, good bookshops, uh, W.A. Smith, Foils, uh, Waterstones. Um, you'll be able to pick it, the book up from the shop itself in January the 23rd when it actually comes out, mm-hmm. but you can pre-order online now from all right. the places, including Amazon, so you can order pre-order from Amazon. Right. Uh, it's a hardback book. I think it's on special offer right now, and uh, go and grab yourself right. a copy. And um, yeah, send me a note afterwards. We always listen to everyone's feedback from yeah. what we hear. Is it just in hardback? Can you get it in, in the softback? Yeah, well? so there's going to be an a little bit audio version. version. There'll be a Kindle version, audio right. version as well uh, on launch uh, in January. Uh, right. And the hardback version, uh, which hopefully you can bring to me and I can get, give you a signed copy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you can get that book in January. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Um, you can get you the gonna, book now. Yeah. You can get it now. You can pre-order the book now. Yeah. And you can pick it up from the shop in January. Are there going to be any book signings or anything like that? Yeah. Planned? So we're doing a little. Uh, we're going to do a book little tour. Uh, yeah. We we got we got a plan of doing some stuff. I, I'm obviously based in London now, and so I will be around London. There'll be lots of events. If you come to our website, theunfairadvantage.co.uk, you can see the events we're doing. 
and uh, pop along to one of them. Uh, I'll be around the UK, Birmingham, Manchester, London, and uh, it's been a, a pet project of mine, and I really, really hope you can uh, get a copy of it and see all the interesting stories and uh, tidbits of advice around what I learned through my journey. Yeah, and if you're really lucky, we might do a, a little competition where we can get you a signed copy, uh, and we can, might get your co-author co in as well and do a little uh, um, podcast with both of you. Um, I think that would be great. Yeah, um, Hassan is brilliant. You love him as well. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely we're up for that. Yeah. So the last thing to say is that, Ash, how can people connect with you and contact you? And yeah. what are you interested in, in in terms of like in this field? Like who do you want to speak to and who do you want to connect yeah. with? So, look, I mean, we, we, we help startup founders at early stage. And we want to, the way you can connect with me is on, uh, um, uh, you can email me, ash at theunfairadvantage.co.uk. I'm on Twitter. Ash underscore Ali. I now have started using Instagram as well. So it's Ash Ali UK on Instagram. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just type in Ash Ali. You should hopefully find me there. Um, and I'm around uh, London quite often in various different uh, startup hubs and uh, accelerators and incubators where I'm mentoring and um, speaking as well. Fantastic. So just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on my show and uh, very much look forward to having you back on here again and talking about some other great things that you've been working on. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. And I hope the audience today has really benefited from this podcast. And um, I know that I certainly have. And I hope you have a, a, a really good think about uh, all of the things Ash has said today if you really want to get into entrepreneurship. So... Take care for now and see you in the next episode.